can feel like that, can't it? And the reason it feels like that is really simple. This is a war zone that we live in. There's two kingdoms that are clashing. There's the kingdom of hell and the world, and there's the kingdom of God. Now, we know the kingdom of God ultimately wins. But here's the good news. We get to play our part in that winning. And, um, you know, I think it's really interesting. And I was really challenged this week. And, and part of what I'm going to say this week comes out of, of this event. But we went over to uh, Birmingham this week. We went to a, a one-day conference. Uh, we went over the, the night before so that we could sort of uh, be there because it was an early start. And uh, we were out in Birmingham. And I, I wanted to get a book from Waterstones. So we went to Waterstones. And as we went down to Waterstones, there was uh, like a, a gazebo close by. And there was kind of, uh, I, I, I don't know what sort of music you call it, uh, Middle Eastern music playing. And there was two uh, guys stood in this gazebo and they had lots of leaflets and all that sort of stuff that they were... They were giving away, and basically it was uh, uh, to um, try and convince people that Islam was a peaceful religion and that they didn't support the extremism that was going on in the world. So they were doing that, and we went in, into, uh, into Watson's. And, and not long after we'd gone in, there was a lot of noise. And we said, oh, what is that? And there was, there was two guys out there and they were just shouting at the tops of their voices and they were going like, you know, like, Jesus is the only way and Jesus is, is the way and you, you believe in a prophet but he's dead in the grave. And the whole thing went on for about 45 minutes. And everybody, you know, you, we were in the shop which was about, I guess, we would be at least the distance of this building away from where it was taking place, inside, uh, like a solid shot. And you could hear everything. And it was really disturbing. And Cheryl, it, it, it just went on so long and it made everything just really uncomfortable. And so Cheryl went and said to the lady, does this happen often? And, it said, and she said, yeah, it happens every day. It's terrible, isn't it? It's terrible, isn't it? And we said, yeah, it is actually, it is. But, you know, it's one thing to, to say it's terrible, it's another thing to know how to respond. And so, Cheryl and I spent a little bit of time just praying and, and we went out and uh, we were just walking away from Waterstone and I said, I think I need to do something, I think God's just told me to do something. And she said, you're not going to go up to those guys that are shouting and things and tell them off, are you? Because I, I, I'm not standing here if you're going to just go and tell them off. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I feel that I've got to do something else. Now, you might not think this is right, but this is what God gave me to do. I went to the Muslim guys. And I said, guys, I just want to apologise because that's not our saviour. He's not like that. He's somebody who loves you and he died for you yeah. and he cares for you deeply. Yeah. And he's not out to put you down. He's out to raise you up. Yeah. And we got in a little conversation with these guys and, you know, planted a few seeds, told them a little bit of the gospel and just left it. Because, you know, when two kingdoms clash, our job's to plant seed. And often change takes a long time. And change when we are praying for something, waiting for something, believing for something, takes a long time, sometimes. Sometimes we get instant miracles. Sometimes, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, somebody takes their hearing aids out, they can hear somebody, click, you, know, hear, uh, you know, get sorted of tinnitus. Sometimes it's instant. My experience is that most miracles take a long time. There's, there's a battle that is fought not only uh, inside to believe in the first place, but then the, the biggest battle is to stay in faith when everything looks against you, when it looks like it's not working. And I talked a lot about that in all the run-up to summer. 
And what I want to go on to now is to start talking about how we develop a faith that outlasts every battle so that we uh, leave a legacy behind us of victories. So does that sound good? Does that sound all right? Um, now, one of the things that, you know, that I think pondering on those events that, that happened in Birmingham is this, is that, you know, when you're dealing with the world and, and when you're dealing with people of other faiths and all that, when you're dealing with the world and you start talking about things like faith, healing, deliverance, trusting God for your finances, trusting God for a new job, trusting God for this. The world cannot understand you. And so it reacts. It reacts sometimes positively and sometimes negatively. That's why Jesus said, well, when you go into a new place, you've, you want to find the one who reacts positively, the man of peace, he calls him. You, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the positive reaction. But the truth is that the ways of the world and the way the world thinks, they can't understand us believers. And so what's going to happen as a result of that is they're going to be coming out with stuff telling you it's not going to work. They're going to be coming out with medical opinions that saying that that's not possible, that it's terminal, can't be fixed, can't be solved. They're going to be coming out with all sorts of wisdom. And uh, I can remember I put a post up this week and I got this brilliant response from Sherry. And, and I, th I can't remember which post it was I put on Facebook. But Sherry said, yeah, I'm done with their, their religion. The sort of religion that goes, they're there, it'll, you know, it's all that. You know, we can't have a soft approach. We have to develop strength. We have to be spiritually fit. And so, um, you know, when someone who doesn't know the Lord has no capacity to understand what you're talking about. And so you're only going to get negative stuff from them. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. So we shouldn't be uh, absorbing the advice and the views of the world. We are kingdom people who need to live by kingdom values and kingdom principles. And the biggest challenge we face, I think, in the body of Christ is to uh, be, for this generation, to produce a generation that follows it, that remembers some of the things we remember and learns how to overcome a few things, win a few things and have a few victories. Yeah. And learns how to stand when the pressure comes on. Because their, their religion won't get you that. Because the world does not understand what you're doing when you do the things that you need to do to win your victories. You see, we are not natural people. Just have a look at that person next to you. You can work out they're not natural. <laughs> then we're not natural people. We are spiritual people. And because we're spiritual people, we're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to be different a different sort of person. And you know, I like that, uh, I can't remember which song it was when it was talking about stepping from here to eternity. You see, as spiritual people, we are born from eternity and all we're doing now is we're on our way home step by step. We live not only in this reality, but in the reality of eternity. You're not just sat here now, although you might not be aware of it. The truth is you are also sat with Christ in heavenly places. You have complete access to the throne room of God and everything that heaven has in its resources is ours. So it's about time we started using it, isn't it? And, and, and seeing some change. Because we're citizens of heaven, we're ambassadors of God. We have a message and we're on a mission to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. We're, we're little carriers of the kingdom. Wherever we are, the kingdom is. 
You know, like when Jesus comes, he says, the kingdom of heaven is on hand. Well, when Bob Kilpatrick goes, the kingdom of heaven is on hand. When Sarah Hughes goes, the kingdom of heaven is on hand. Where Paul Howarth goes, the kingdom of heaven is on hand. Where, insert your own name, the kingdom of heaven is on hand. We need to get that attitude. And it's a good attitude. You know, I've learned bringing my kids up, there's some bad attitudes as well. But this is a good one. It's a good attitude to have. You see, people without the revelation of the kingdom will think you're peculiar. That's all right. Didn't Paul say we we're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood? We're meant to be peculiar. Turn to the person next to them and tell them they're peculiar. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be so enthusiastic, Bob. Here's the point. As believers, we're not meant to be thinking, talking, acting, um, operating like the world operates. So... Is it is a question for us, and we don't. You don't have to put your hand up and answer. But how far down that road does your life measure up? Because here's the thing: the things of the kingdom are for people who operate on kingdom principles, and kingdom principles aren't the same principles as the world. But because there is this clash of kingdoms. Sometimes the biggest principle of the kingdom we need to learn is endurance. We need to learn how to outlast. You see, according to Jesus, and I find this really challenging, I don't know about you, but according to Jesus, we're not supposed to be worried or anxious. We're not supposed to be thinking about all the bad things and all the problems and all the stuff that comes up in the news and what people say about the economy and worrying about Brexit and worrying about our mortgage and worrying about all these things. We're not meant to be like that. Why? Because we're kingdom people. We don't think like the world. Now, we, we slip into that because we slip back into what the, 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 the Bible calls a carnal man. What's a carnal man? It's somebody who's saved but looks like a natural man who didn't understand the things of the kingdom. And we don't want to be people who don't understand the things of the kingdom and how it works. We want to be what Paul calls spiritual people, peculiar people, odd people, who go against the things of the world, go against the way the world does it, and see some results. But that's going to take us developing the ability to outlast the circumstances and the news that people give us. He says, as faithful believers, we, this is kind of this, the, the, this good attitude that we should have. It, it, it's like this. I wrote this down on my notes. The things going on in the world don't worry me at all. I'm connected to God and he's doing so, just fine. He's not, he's not phased by the things going on in the world. He's trying to encourage us to change the things that are going on in the world. And so... If we're phased by that, it's not really possible to change something that you're phased by. Instead, we have to get our eyes off the situation and what people are saying about the situation and what the enemy's sticking in our head about that situation, trying to get us to doubt. And then we have to start doubting those doubts and endure in faith till we see what God's promised. You see, the news isn't the final say. And sometimes we read things in the Bible and it all looks like it happened really quickly. But it didn't. Sometimes it took months, sometimes it took years. It's just that, like when you're carrying around tablets under your arms, wax tablets and big scrolls, you can't afford to waste words. So time passes in between the lines that you read. And there's... there's a, Isaac, Isaac in the Old Testament, yeah? And he gets this news that there's a famine in the land and a drought in the land. And there's no water anywhere. But Isaac, go, Isaac reasons not like an ordinary man. He reasons like a spiritual man. And he says, God pronounced his favour on my family. 
He told my dad that he was blessed and we were blessed and we'll be a blessing to the nation and it's going to happen right here where I am. So instead of doing what everybody else does, which is move, he stays where he is and starts digging some wells. He starts digging some wells in dry ground that everybody's told him is dry ground. And yet what happens? When he digs his wells, he finds water. Why? Because he's blessed. The favour of God is on him. Things with God do not obey natural rules. And Isaac becomes, because of his wells, he digs that many wells of water where people told him there was no water, that he ends up not just being a blessing to his family, but being a blessing to the whole nation around him. And so we have the ability, because we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, to draw on that favour of God in our own lives. So are you still with this? So here's what happens with a, a, a lot of people, you know, partly, you know, because I, I talk to a lot of people, you, you hear the same sort of things coming all the time. You probably hear it at work or in the office, but people are going, oh, the economy, it's going up, it's going down, what's going to happen? It's going to cost us billions or we're going to get billions. And, it's, and it changes from day to day. Have you noticed that, like, the news you had yesterday... The exact opposite is the news today. And it goes back and forwards because they're always looking for a headline. And sometimes the Prime Minister's popular, sometimes she's unpopular, sometimes Jeremy Corbyn's popular, sometimes he's unpopular, sometimes everybody's unpopular and everybody's popular. Who knows? Who knows? What sells papers? What, sell, what do people watch on TV? You know, what makes films? What, what does all this? And, but the thing is, we as Kingdom people don't go up and down with that. Instead, we keep our eyes fixed on God and wait for his promise. Um, Psalm 112 describes that, this sort of man. He calls it, it doesn't call him, in Old Testament terms, they didn't call him a spiritual man, they called him the righteous man. There's a righteous man and a righteous woman right through the, the Old Testament. And at various points, they tell you their, their characteristics. So in Psalm 112, which I carefully marked and won't find in Proverbs, will I? Psalm 112, uh, verse 6, it says, it, Surely, so this is talking about the righteous man, Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in, ever, will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. So what's that saying? That's saying that the person who sees what they're hoping for has certain characteristics. They are an outlaster. They see what comes around. They are not moved by evil tidings, contrary tidings, contrary feelings, high winds outside. <laughs> they keep their eyes fixed. <laughs> I had to go and shut all the, all the things this morning because it, I came in here and... It, it must have uh, modified itself for all the hot weather and hasn't reset yet. But I was studying, it was like being in a wind tunnel. <laughs> and you can't believe it after last week because we couldn't get cool last week. Anyway, so where was that? Yeah, so what we have to do is get ourselves in, in a bit of shape. Um, I've been kind of concentrating on that as my project for this year, you know, getting fitter, getting healthier, getting toned, eating better, losing a bit of weight. Um, somebody came up to me this morning and said, uh, I really like your new shirt. Well, that's great because it, it's cost me nothing. It was an old shirt I've not been able to get into for years. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really nice, well done, Tommy Hilfiger. It lasts. <laughs> it lasted till it came back in fashion. <laughs> or oh, fit. <laughs> and so where does that sort of outlast of faith come from? Where did, how did that righteous man get to be like that? Or how does the spiritual man get to have that sort of faith? Well, the keys are in these verses. So the first one is this. 
we need to be, we need to remember and be conscious of who we are. I'll say that again. You need to remember and be conscious of who you are. You've just told the person next to you, they're a, you're a peculiar person. You're not a natural person. How many of you here know that you're the son of the Most High God or the daughter of the Most High God? How many of you know you're seated with him in heavenly places? How many of you know that he is, for you, he is in you, he's greater than he that's in the world? How many of you know that whatever happens in your life, it cannot ever, ever take you out of the love of God? How many of you know that? How many of you know that whatever the enemy throws at you, whatever it is, in that you will be seen to be more than a conqueror because that's who you are? How many of you know that? We need to remind ourselves that that's really who we are. Because a lot of the time what we do is we operate like we're just ordinary people. And we're not. The reason we do not see more of the kingdom in our lives and in our neighbourhoods is we continue to operate as ordinary people. Because that's how we see ourselves. You've just all said the things that are true. However, we need to see them as true about us as an individual, not just as a general principle. And that's, that's what a person who is a spiritual man, who is fit and toned for the kingdom, sees in himself or herself. They see who Christ made them to be. They know that everything they need for life and godliness is there. Where is it? Well, who's living inside of you? Who's living inside of you right now? Go on. Spirit of Christ. Holy Spirit. Jesus is living inside of you right now. Where do you live? Where's your address? Even closer than that. In Christ. He's in you. You're in him. That's who you are. And so when we bring that to remembrance, what, what that says is, let's say that I'm, um, let's, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of healthy at the moment. Let's say I was ill, okay, or feeling ill. So I'm feeling ill. What, do I, what, what does that say? That doesn't say that I'm going to God and say, God, God, please heal me, please heal me. Why? Because Jesus paid for my healing 2,000 years ago. Well, why hasn't it manifested yet? Because I'm giving it rights in my body. Why am I giving it rights in my body? Because I'm not denying it access. I'm not denying it access. How do I deny it access? I say, this is, this is what you say. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And right now, I have in my spirit everything that defeats every form of sickness, every form of illness, every defect in my body. And right now, I'm releasing it in the name of Jesus and kingdom of hell, I deny you any access to my body. And we keep going and we keep going and we keep going till we see the healing. See, often we, we wait for people to pray for us to bring about something when actually the kingdom is within us as well as around us. Yeah. And, and, and we need we kingdom releases from the kingdom within us as well as the kingdom being with, around us when we're gathered. So we need to do some releasing of our own and start denying access. You know, people will say, well, you're a faith guy, you're a faith person. Well, I am. And they'll go, well, you live in denial, you. You say, well, you're not ill when you are. No, I don't live in denial. I have symptoms. However, I deny them any right to stay there. I deny them any right to keep on messing my life up. And I'm going to keep on denying them any right till they go. So, yeah, if you want to say I live in denial, I do, because I deny them. That's how it works. We're not crazy people. We just think differently. The world thinks we're crazy people because they don't understand us. The truth is we're the only ones who know the truth. We're the only th ones who know how this thing works. And so we remember who we really are. And that is a sad thing that, there are so many Christians and so many believers sat in churches who do not know this. Why don't they know it? 
you can't know something you've never heard. The truth hasn't changed. The Bible hasn't changed. It's just that nobody's told them. How do I know that? Because for 25 years, that's the state I was in. And nobody told me God did anything. I didn't know who I was in Christ. I just knew I was going to heaven one day. I was kind of like one of these miserable... Oh, you've seen it all, haven't you? If you've done rock solid, you've seen this. But I was, I, was, I was into worm theology. Do you know what worm theology is? Okay, I'll illustrate worm theology. There's some people here, they're going, he's not going to do it, is he? No, not in front of the church. I've done it in front of the church before, so what? You know, I might as well do it now. Worm theology is like this. I'm a miserable, terrible sinner, and I say a prayer... And Jesus is my saviour and he uh, pays for all my sins. And here's what happens. One day I'm going to get to heaven. But right now I am miserable, not worthy to gather up the crumbs under the table. And I've just got to be a miserable worm until maybe I get my fingers across the finishing line and get to heaven if I'm good enough. That's worm theology. That's what a vast part of the church in the West has. And it can be from the stuffiest, oldest, dusty building to the brightest lights hidden behind a smoke machine. It's not the way it's presented, it's what is presented. And we need to start cutting through and going, guys... That's not who you are. Amen. You are a precious, dearly loved son or daughter of Christ. And more than that, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, an ambassador of God, and you have a mission to take the kingdom. And here's why you can take that mission, because the kingdom's in you and lives in you, because it's the power and spirit of Christ. Amen. And so when we start to hear it, we can believe it. Paul says, you know, one of the reasons people don't come to Christ is because nobody tells them and they've never heard. Yeah. It's the same when you get in the kingdom. You don't grow because nobody tells you. And so if you know people, you need to start telling them who they are in Christ. If you know other believers, you need, to, you need to tell them and show them. So let me, let me put it this way. It's not just that people haven't heard it. We have a more serious problem these days, which is people have heard it and not done anything with it. We, we, somehow we've managed to um, let the world push us back into corners. Jesus talks about this. He, he talks about it in the parable of the sower. Yeah. And he says, well, it's like this. The seed gets scattered, it's the same seed wherever it goes. Some of it has no effect whatsoever because people just totally ignore it. But there's two other types of seed that do have an effect. One springs up and quickly shrivels because it's got no roots. It, you know, storm comes along, it falls over. First go, that's not, the, that's not what I was promised when I said that prayer. Bang, gone. So you get people who are really enthusiastic for six months and then disappear. How many of you have seen that sort of phenomenon? Maybe not even six months. And then you've got other people who feel, um, you know, who, who come to church regularly, do all the things you, want, you can't tell them from anybody else. They just don't do anything with the things of God. Yeah. Why is that? Because Jesus says the cares and the pressures of this world have choked it off. And that's where a lot of us need to break out of and realise that the cares and the pressures of this world are because they don't understand the kingdom. And the cares and the pressures of this world are designed to stop you seeing everything that God has for you. So if we just go with them, you see... When we were saved, it wasn't so that our priority for the next 30 years was to get enough money together to pay off our mortgage. 
That was never the game, was it? But it becomes the game. Or when we were saved, we didn't think we were signing up to bring up our kids for the next 20 years and to not be around because we were busy taking them to football. That's not what we signed up for. But the cares and the pressures of this world bring that in. And, and, and sometimes we get caught up in it, don't we? But when we're caught up in it, we're not, we, we, we struggle more. Our faith isn't as strong. And there's a reason for that, because we kind of let uh, the, the, the flow of life be choked off. You see, Jesus said this, John 6, 63. He said, um, it's the spirit that gives life. Some of you, if you use older versions, it says it's the spirit that quickens. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, any good old King James is here that was brought up like me? You know, you know, there was no other Bibles when I was a child, you know? That, that's the only one, the King James. And uh, it said, the spirit quickens. Spirit quickens. But the flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. So that word quicken, you, you, we can easily go, oh, like, miss what the point is. It's not talking about makes faster, okay? Because that's the way you read it a lot of the times, isn't it? It makes faster, perks you up a bit, you know, that sort of thing. That word quicken, there's a different, there's a different quick that we have in English. I'm not sure anybody uses it anymore, and that's why we miss it. My mum used to tell me off, because when I was a kid, I used to bite my fingernails. And she used to say, you're bitten them down to the quick. Only she couldn't say quick, so it always came out as wick. <laughs> but you're bitten them down to the quick. What's the quick? Well, the life in a fingernail comes from the, the base, which is where all the life is stored. And what Jesus is saying is if you're not connected to the life, if you, if you disconnect yourself from the word of God, or, or you're not... Uh, drawing on the life of the word of God, pretty soon you'll just end up with some dead cells. And so he's saying that the spirit takes the word of God, so the spirit takes the word of God and produces life. It produces the, the kingdom life that he came to give us. And so what he's saying is all your efforts to sort your own life don't work. If you want real life, you've got to draw it from me. And that involves hearing my word and letting the Spirit give it life. Proverbs um, says this. Go with me. I'll, I'll get, give you a slightly older version. It's not as, not as old as the old King James. It's, it's the new. It's not even the old RSV. It's the new RSV, which I, I, I particularly like. I, I particularly like it because mine has big margins that I can write in. That, that, that's his big merit, this Bible. It's big demerit is I'm already tired carrying it. <laughs> here, here we go. Proverbs 4. And I'll, actually, I'll start at, at verse 20. I know I haven't got them all on the screen. My child, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. Uh, some versions say, from it flow the issues of life. Here's the thing. There's two, there's two that the word keep is used twice. It says, keep them within your heart and keep your heart with all diligence. When it says, keep your heart with all diligence, it means keep a watch over what you're putting in. So we have to keep a watch over what we're putting in. We want more of the word of God going in and less of the world's thinking going in. Because the more of the word of God that goes in, the more the Holy Spirit produces life. And so we want the life, don't we? So we've got to guard against what's going in. So passively sitting in front of a TV screen or sitting in front of YouTube, or Facebook, or passively sitting and reading a newspaper, or however pe whatever people do to get the news today, even passively just driving past 
all these hundreds and thousands of advertising boards we have now. Even just passively driving that, you can't afford to be passive. You've got to guard what's going in and go, that doesn't measure up to what God says. That's not what God says. Then there's the other word where it says, um, oh, change versions, keep them within your heart. Keep them within your heart. Now, that word uh, keep there is, uh, it's, I, I kind of like this word, so I'm going to tell you what it is. It's in, in the original Hebrew, it's shamzar. It's like, kind of like shazam, isn't it? <laughs> but it's kind of like shazam. Have you ever seen, heard of shazam? Shazam was, he's a little boy and he gets turned into Captain Marvel, the superhero, by saying this word Shazam. Only he's got the body of a superhero and the brain of a small boy. That's, that's Shazam. There's going to be a film about it, I think, next year. But so Shamzar is kind of like that. It produces change in us. And the word Shamzar means to watch over the way you watch over a flock, uh, to take heed, to tend. Or exercise care with. So what, it, what that's saying is instead of guarding what's going in, he's tending the good stuff that's there. And we need to have both aspects. Because out of what is there flow the issues of life. I think issues is like a rubbish word. And, and actually... Rivers isn't really that great a word, although it's a bit better than issues, isn't it? Issues kind of like, they've got issues. Everybody's got issues. Rivers is kind of a bit better, but is, is what it means. It means forces. The, what it's saying is, out of your heart, you release the things of the kingdom. When you, when you believe there is a force called the kingdom that is released. So when you pray, here's, here's, here's something that will be really helpful to you. Let, let's, say, uh, let's say Amelia is poorly. She's not. I pray. I don't see anything, anything change. She doesn't see anything change. Okay? The natural man says nothing happened. The spiritual man says it's not possible for nothing to happen because when I prayed, I released the force for the kingdom. So whether you felt anything or not, whether anything appears to have changed or not, there was force released. And that's why we keep on praying, because we're releasing more and more force until we see the result. Are you getting this? this is, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm wide. That's a bit deep, that one. You might need to catch up on that. Anyway, so going back to Proverbs 4. Two things you need to grow. This is what I'm focusing on, you know, in, in my attempt to resuscitate my wardrobe and my shirt collection. Here's what I'm focused on. The first thing you need to do is eat healthy. So how do you, how do you get spiritually in tone? You need to eat healthy, not eat rubbish. Now, a lot of people don't automatically know how to eat healthy. In the natural, they don't, we don't automatically know how to think like the kingdom thinks. I remember, um, you see, the kingdom works like this. You might want to write this down because it's, it's kind of a foundational principle. This is how the kingdom works. You've got everything you need. How many times have you, have you heard people say that? You've already got what you need. John says um, in, in John chapter 1 that, that we, when we believed, we were given everything necessary to become children of God. And that word become, it's, it's kind of not that easy to get your head around. So I'm going to like do the simple version of it. That word become is like an Ikea flat pack. Okay, it's all there, but you've got to learn how it works. You've got to, got to follow the instructions in order for it to become fully formed within you. It's all there, but it needs assembling. You've got it all, but it needs assembling. And, and, and the way it gets assembled is good food. 
And, and knowing what you're doing. You see, when, when my son Matthew, I, I remember the, the really scary days when he was learning to drive. Now, Matthew had a car. However, Matthew, well, the first time I took him out, had this really unfortunate habit of if there was a car coming in the opposite direction, he was distracted by it and started driving towards it. Not a good plan. And, and, it, and it kind of worried me a few times till he got the idea I'm not meant to be distracted by what's coming towards me. So he learnt to use what he already had. He always had the car, but he learnt to use it better. He learnt to be able to operate the gears and drive it. So we already have all we need for life and godliness available to us, but it's in flat pack form. So we need to, to develop it, and the way we develop it is we eat good food. What's good food? What did the man in Psalm 112 do? He fixed... Yeah, he's not afraid of it. He's high, steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. And the reason for that is he's fixed on God. He's fixed on God. Now, it's not too easy to fix your mind directly on God when stuff's going around in your life, when you're disappointed, when you're disillusioned. It's not too easy to fix your, your eyes on God. So what, how do we do that? We piggyback on something else. We piggyback on the word which then fixes our eyes on God. We put some counter-truth in there. You see, when I said we need to eat, eat healthy food, we need to eat good food, and that is the word of God. So guard against the bad stuff, watch over what's happening in your heart, and eat good food. The word of God. Because when we eat the word of God, the instructions for the flat pack come. Because it starts telling us who we are and how to assemble it and operate it. And so we've got the flat pack instructions when we get the word of God. Not instructions like do this, do that, do that, and then God will accept you. But instructions that say, this is who you are and this is how you work now. So you need to start working a bit differently from the way you were working before. And you need to start thinking differently from the way you were before. Because, you know, lot, you know, people say, well, I'm just a miserable sinner saved by grace. Are you a miserable sinner saved by grace? You were a miserable sinner saved by grace. Now you are saint who lives in the product of grace, which you take by faith. That's how the kingdom works. Now, here's a problem that I've discovered whilst um, getting my body in shape for my former wardrobe. I don't say, I, 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 don't, I don't use the word diet. It's got unfortunate connotations for me, the word diet. Like, I was built up on these, pro, you know, when uh, I, I don't know if you you're probably too old, but there used to be these, these diet programs on TV, and there used to be this lady called the Green Goddess, who, who wore, and it was just like the whole thing got really too woman's only for me. So so I, I I look at it more as aspiring to fit former size clothes. That's that's what I think of it as, or aspiring to discover the real me that was in there somewhere. <laughs> Now, here's the thing that I've discovered. If you cut down your calories, you can't live very long. And here's the thing about Christianity. You can't live your entire Christian life on one meal that got you saved in the first place. You need fresh food every day. Otherwise, you're going to starve and you're going to cut off life. You're going to have no energy for the battle. You're going to have no energy to take ground when the kingdoms clash. So you've got to eat fresh food. People say to me, I, I, you know, I'll ask them. They'll come and, you know, I don't, this, this is experience over the years. It's not anybody I'm referring to here, but you might, have, might find yourself in this category if you don't listen to what I'm saying. But people will come, they'll have problems in their life and will say, do this, do that. And then they'll come back two weeks later and they've still got the same problems and you say, did you do what I said? And they go, no. Well, why didn't you do that? I was too busy. 
How long have you wasted worrying, crying, on the phone, um, depressed, upset? How long has that failed? The point's this, that that time you can't afford not to eat good food. You eat beans and chips all the time. You live from McDonald's all the time. What do you get? Fat. Unhealthy. You need healthy food. I'm not trying to take the fun out of your life. You can go to McDonald's occasionally. I was trying to make a point. Okay? So, having got that first thing, how do you then get What's the other component of being healthy spiritual people? Exercise. You've got to do something with it. Here's the problem. We've got a lot of Christians eating a lot of food and doing nothing on it. As a result, we've got fat people, fat believers and fat churches, spiritually, who are sat there because they can't get out of the chairs. Because they're so overeducated, they don't know what to do now. The kingdom isn't an accumulation of knowledge. The kingdom is about doing something with the little that you've got along the way. It's about burning up the spiritual calories so you can get some more in. You know, one of the reasons that, that people kind of drift away from church and turn their backs on it for a while, and they go through all these things called dryness and wilderness periods and that sort of stuff, is all they did was eat. And they didn't do that very healthily either. You've got to actually do something with it. You've got to exercise your faith and belief for a few things. You've got to win a few battles. I'm going to give you one important principle and then I'm going to take it a bit further next week. When you're exercising, you've got to do it safely. Yeah? Um, I, I was once, well, I've only done it once. I now worry that I'm going to do it again. But I'm one of these people that was, I was on a running machine do you know the running machines? Treadmill. Um, treadmill, yeah, that's it. Yeah, treadmill. I was on the treadmill. I wasn't, wasn't paying attention. I was watching the cricket on the video screen. And, um, and England got a wicket in the ashes. I completely lost all paying attention to my treadmill. Caught the side of it, went whap. But didn't think, oh, I'll let go. I held on. Now, here's the problem when you hold on. Only one thing happens. Your legs get sandpapered. <laughs> it's painful. And, and so you have to exercise carefully. You have to um, keep yourself in a certain place. And here's the certain place. Jude says this. Keep yourself in the love of God. You remind yourself who you are that you're loved by God, but more than that, you love other people and release that love. Here's the thing, I, I did a, like a training course a few years ago. Uh, it's a really good course, developed by a guy called Randy Clark. And Randy Clark takes people out, uh, he has some interns, and he'll take them around with him when he does his crusades in Brazil and things like that. And he teaches them how to minister in prayer lines for healing. And this is, this is what he says to me. He, you know, he, he talks to them all about how God's provided healing and how to pay for healing in different situations and how to listen to the person. And then he says, and here's what I want you to remember. And this is like big, bold writing right through the course. And he says, this is the one thing you've got to remember. If you forget everything else, this is the one thing you need to remember. Whether you see a miracle or not, whether you never see a miracle, every person that you pray for in that prayer line needs to go away and feel you love them. 
God takes care of the miracles. Your job is to love people. And so we exercise and we keep in tone by staying in love. I think that's why uh, Paul says in Galatians that the only thing that counts as far as the kingdom's concerned is faith working through love. Now that tells me you can have faith without love and God doesn't give you a score. He, he, he says that's, that's not what I'm looking for. And so we need to be lovers of other people. We need to primarily, the thing that people should say about us is, I know they love me. That's why Jesus says, you know, he says, this is how people who walk into your building are going to tell you're really disciples. Not because you spout it off, not because you've got great stuff on your Facebook page. I'm sure Jesus foresaw Facebook page. It's in there. Hezekiah 3 verse 1. Don't look at the Facebook page. It's there. You know, all the things that we have now where we used to communicate, when somebody encounters a believer, Jesus says the thing they're looking for is do you love each other? Not even do you love them, but do you love each other? And you know, that's just so important. We keep ourselves in this faith journey and we keep in tone because we surround ourselves with people who we love and who love us. That's why we have church. So, next week, I just wanted to like challenge you a bit and raise, raise the bar a bit for you this week. Next week, um, we're going we're gonna to experiment. We're going to become water walkers next week. Okay, so we're going to look at Jesus and Peter when he walked on the water and see what that's all about and see how that helps us grow our faith. But for now, I want you to remember this week, I want you to eat healthily, get some fresh word in you. Fresh word, I know men might not like this, but fresh word is like mum told you you have to eat your greens. It's really good for you and produces strong growth. So eat your greens have some fresh word and keep in love. Amen? Okay, let's stand. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for all your goodness towards us. I thank you that even though people say you're not, even though other Christians might say you're not, even though... Our circumstances might say you're not. The truth is you are a good God and you are good all the time. Amen. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to grow, to strengthen, to become strong people whose faith outlasts our situation to see your promises come to pass. And Lord, right now, for those who, who are right in the middle of something, I pray for that, I pray for an inner strengthening an inner strengthening. I speak to the spirit within them and say, be stirred up in Jesus' name. Amen. Be stirred up. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And Holy Spirit, I would pray that you would take the word that's already there and make it new and fresh and alive and produce life from our innermost being to our outermost world. In Jesus' name. Amen.